Welcome to Divorce Stories with attorney Dennis Vetrano, the show for people that want real answers to real divorce questions from a real divorce lawyer. And now here's your host, attorney Dennis Vetrano. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Divorce Stories. I'm your host, divorce attorney Dennis Vetrano, and we have Lisa Johnson and Chris Barry back with us again for another appearance on the podcast. Welcome, 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 Lisa and Yay! Chris. So, <laughs> so awesome. great to be back. Yes, yep. always good to see you, Dennis. And Get if some you guys New York energy in here, yes, for sure. And if you guys didn't know, they are the founders of Been There, Got Out which offers coaching and workshops for people in toxic relationships. They also run a legal abuse support group. Lisa is a certified domestic violence advocate in her seventh year in the court system dealing with a toxic ex. She is oh, oh, Dennis, you got to revise nine, the number. Oh, oh, wait. How many years now? We're still counting? Nine, nine, nine. Oh, nine. no. Oh, no. I, can, can we just say seven? I'd really like to say seven, but nine. Okay, so nine represented herself successfully at trial and the appellate court levels through scores of appearances. And her case was published in the Connecticut Law Journal to be used as legal precedent. Her live testimony helped pass Jennifer's Long, Connecticut. That was so awesome. The third state in America to expand its legal definition of domestic violence to include coercive control. That's a term that everybody should understand what that means. She recently started the world's first legal abuse support group, which provides emotional support, expert guidance and strategies for victims to strengthen their own cases. And now, Chris, you're coming in as well. Very well regarded. So happy to have you back. Chris is a certified high conflict divorce coach and domestic violence survivor himself. Yes, men can be victims of domestic violence. And yes, you can survive and come through it with a uniquely male perspective. His own high conflict divorce took. Are we still counting on that? That was three no, years, well, right? actually, yes, Dennis, I'm going back to court. Oh, no. OK. Yep. And but you know there what? was I, a long pause. There was post, a long pause. Post judgment. Post okay, judgment. so we, so we paused, and so we had three years, three hundred grand, and now you're back. Eventually achieved a favorable legal outcome, but as we know with these cases, they continue to go and go and go and go. So welcome, Lisa and Chris. So happy to have you back. Thank you. Yeah, Dennis, I actually just heard something the other day that people spend more time in court post judgment than during the actual divorce. What do you think of that? You know, and can I tell you, I hate post-judgment cases and not because I don't want to help people, but because I put my hand to my my hand to my forehead and I say, oh, my God, more money, more money, more time, more aggravation for something you already had resolved. What could right. possible what could you possibly want to do? What would the, be the need to want to revisit these issues? God, oh, we, well, we know all about that. Let's you want to talk about um poor language in parenting plans. Oh, good grief. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen it all, all, absolutely all as you have. So, um, so let's dive right into it. Listen, I did a video just recently. Okay. And the, and the, and the sum and substance of the video is basically like, Hey, protect the ship. Like, don't talk bad about your husband or wife to friends, family, the general public, social media, keep that internal and communicate with your spouse and try to work through those things. However, right, especially the kids, right? Especially the kids, especially the kids. But here's the thing. There are also those circumstances where they're not just a marital relationship that needs some work. They're toxic relationships. So in those sorts of situations, I've had a lot of people comment and say, hey, but Dennis, a toxic relationship 
you should be screaming to the hilltops exactly what's going on and reaching out for help, et cetera, et cetera. But how do you distinguish those two situations? And I can't tell you because I haven't been in it. What can you guys tell me about that? Oh, my God. Yeah. How do you distinguish between a marriage that just needs work that you want to protect the ship and the other situation where you're in a toxic relationship and need help? That's a great question, because, you know, a lot of people that we meet and me, too, we don't even realize we're in a toxic relationship. It's that things just don't make sense. So I would say, like, in my own case, going to three different couples, counselors and not getting anywhere and finding out that there was lies and lies and more lies and cheating. And every time you think I've res- I'm, we're going to resolve this and work together, but only one person is doing the work. Sometimes it gets more painful to stay than to go. And yeah. uh, well, in Lisa's case, her marriage was what, 18 years? Yeah. 18 years. Mine was by the time we finally divorced, it was 14 and we had no clue when Lisa, I, and for those who don't know, Lisa and I are also a, uh, we're romantic partners for more than eight years at this point. Yeah. Um, and we, um, we had already started dating. We were both still in the divorce process and our, both of our cases were going so absolutely crazy. And I was at, at work one day, I was sitting at my desk and I Googled narcissism and I found like a Wikipedia article or something. And it talked about, about all the traits of, of narcissists. And I was like, oh my God. And for a lot of people, it's that light bulb moment when they first realize like where all the chaos and conflict and confusion and all that came from, that it actually has a name. It's actually pretty common. And, and like, you can do something about it. But so I emailed Lisa the link to the article and she was like, oh my God, me too. Right. But that was so, after. That was, that was after. after we were already deep, deep into the uh, divorce process. Right. Yeah. But what we see now is people are Googling behaviors that they don't mm-hmm. understand yeah. in the relationship. Why is my partner doing this, this? And that's bringing them to some of these personality disorders or information about healthy versus unhealthy relationships. And that's where they're starting to figure it out. Chris and I, when we like earlier with been there, got out, we made a toxic relationship quiz. Like, are you in an unhealthy relationship? And we had nearly 40,000 people taken in just a few months. And everyone was like, Oh my God, I didn't realize it. And I'm sure Dennis, because you have a background with domestic violence, you've seen the healthy relationship wheel and the unhealthy one. And I know when I first saw it, again, I was at out of the marriage at that time, but I was like, I didn't even know. Like, I didn't, you don't question things that have become normalized. And people right. tend to not talk about their relationships with intimately with other people. So right. often you're not really sure. Right. So Especially to- with, with the other party, uh, they're so skilled at manipulation. One of the things they do is isolate you from your own support network. So I'm very close with my mother, for example. And I wasn't going to her and saying, my marriage is really in trouble. I was right. putting up a facade that my marriage was great. Yeah, I, I was doing it so I was lying to myself, too. Right, yeah. right. Because we all get married, and th- well, most of us, and think, I want to stay together, and I'll do anything to keep our family right. intact. And I so think they we- use every tool to make it normalized, right? Like yeah. anything that you think might be something that they're doing to you when it's brought up, there's a there's a manipulation there of, oh, it's your job's fault. It's your friend's fault. It's your family's fault. And in a way, I've seen the situations where they try to get you to force all that support away from you. Yeah. Yep. And actually, you made me think of something um, that we know is called grooming. So from the very beginning of the relationship, 
an emotionally abusive person can manipulate you into thinking something is normal. So for right. example, when I first got together with my ex, he was seven years older than me and he would use the comment, relationships are hard, relationships are hard. And so I already went in being like, this is gonna be hard. And right. so when things would happen, it was like, oh, but relationships are hard. So I'm supposed to be tolerating this behavior because I already knew that relationships are hard. And that's like, a, you know, marriage is sacrifice. Okay, but how right. much sacrifice and how much right. do we put up with? But that kind of like innocent sounding quote that's a that's a grooming technique sometimes for thinking it's supposed to be like this. So why would I question it? And then you don't talk about it with other people. So you think other people must have this crazy stuff going on. And that's what's so fascinating when we have clients um, for our initial calls, the things they'll tell us and they'll just talk about it and I'll be like, but you understand like that's that's not normal, right? And they're like, right. I never thought about that till now. Like, right. yeah, now that you say it, but it, it takes somebody else mirroring it back or reflecting it back say have you ever questioned it like i just we just don't question things right i'm, I'm thinking of that person we work with and i don't even want to say what she does because i just want to keep it really general but this is a very very successful professional person who whose ex locked her and the children in their basement and boarded over the windows in the basement i guess they had those like seal high level windows yeah. i don't know i've never been in there <laughs> basement but they all he also like took out the light bulbs right so yeah. that she would have no light and and this would but she'd get up and go to work i guess he let her out in the morning to go to her top new york job. city like yeah. ivy league yeah like, top, yep. top. it's and it's often the most professional intelligent people who think well i'm so good at everything else so i'm just going to yeah. manage this insanity right. and I'm, well. I'm also thinking long a long time ago we had a call with the woman i think it might have been early in the legal abuse support group who oh, yeah. described, who apologized after some other people had spoken. She apologized, she said, my situation is not that bad. And she went on to describe being thrown out of a moving car by him. Right. And that's yeah. what happens. They get so um, twisted around. I certainly have lost my center. That's how I describe it. But they get so twisted around that these horrible behaviors uh, come across as normal or, or they normal in their world. And we also like we also are not educated about domestic violence. A lot of people right. are not. Like I thought years ago, the domestic violence center was for battered women. Like I thought you right. had to be beaten to a pulp. So why would right. I ever consider calling and finding out anything? Because I assumed it was all extreme physical abuse. So right. I think it's so important for people to learn that it's not that and to learn, like you said, what is coercive control, like all the other right. kinds of abuse, the right. hidden abuse that goes on in relationships. And but I think, you know what? Dennis, you say something. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. Talk. You have to know I, what I, you're getting into with us. <laughs> I know. I think here's the thing that you create what's what's abnormal objectively to the rest of the world and especially the experts that are looking in from the outside has become normal, that normalcy. And I think what the high powered um, professionals, I think the manipulation is even that much more insidious in that it's almost like what I what I'm seeing lately is, oh, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling well now now push that blame off, deflect that blame. It's not me. It's not the relationship. It's it's you. It's your job. It's your you know, just like pushing off. And, and it's so manipulative for the abuser to do that. 
No, I say I, I call it abuser might not technically be textbook abuser, but the person that toxic person, it's so manipulative for them to push off and, and take every little important thing in your life. And you don't see that that's a way for them to push those little important things out of your life and then thereby isolating you. Yeah, but actually, even though this isn't exactly what you just said, it, you made me think of something with um, people's careers, like really professional people. A, a way a way that a, an abuser might weaponize someone saying is, oh, you're a psychologist. If you're if you're good at your job, why would you be with me if I'm toxic? I can't be toxic or you right. must be dumb because right. why would you get involved? Oh, you're a lawyer. Well, if you're so smart, you must you must be incompetent or right. I'm not toxic. You're making it up. It's like this whole thing to weaponize someone's intelligence and experience against them. Yeah. And the isolation part. Um, I mean, that's people, there's so much shame around what's going on. And also trying to talk to other people, even people that you think you can trust, it, it can be very difficult because people have these filters of like, things should be right with the world. There should be justice. So, so right. say I'm this successful person and I confess to my friend, this is going on in my marriage. And their response might be, but you, you, it, this can't be happening because you're so smart. And you're so like, how could this be right. happening to someone like you? Right. It, it can't be possible. People don't want to hear it because it shakes the foundation of their world. So they put up these filters and that makes people even more isolated because like every yeah. time I talk to someone or they'll, they'll make comments like, well, like almost like the perpetrator, well, why'd you stay so long? You know, right. you're right. a lawyer. Don't you know, how could this have happened to you of all people? You're, you're so smart. It right. can't be true. But I think the, but I think the first stop and, and what I've been saying a lot lately with clients is Google's your friend. There's a lot of information out there and information is power and information is calm. So it sounds like even just the first stop, the simplest thing. Google what a toxic relationship is. Google what an abusive relationship is. Just 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 you got your phone right at your fingertips. Just reach out. But I think the thing is a lot of people. They're going to social media. They're going to tell their friends. They're going to. But who should they really be going to to guide them through the process? Like, OK, let's say you Google and you say, OK, you know, I found X and Y and Z. Some of these things match, but maybe it's just a coincidence. You know, this isn't again, you get back to I've been socialized. I've been almost, you know, um, Stockholm syndrome. I've been manipulated and thinking that what you're in is normal. You Google some information, you're going to make it. They're going to they're going to convince you you should make excuses for it. So who's the person who's the first stop on you get the information who you should talk to? Because a lot of times you're going to tell friends and family going to say, hey, marriages work. You know, hey, you can't get divorced. You know, you swore before right. God. Like. So who's that yeah. person right. you reach so out you, to the trust have, to give you advice? So yeah, it's so important. You have that light bulb moment. You have an idea. Yeah. Go ahead. OK. Go ahead. <laughs> OK. Um, and this is what I wish I had been connected with sooner local domestic violence center. Everyone is trained in all different types of abuse. And just to make a phone call and talk to somebody who understands, they can help provide clarity and they can also do something more important is safety planning. If you are thinking, I can't take it anymore, there are a lot of things you need to consider. You can't just walk out. You can't just grab the kids and cross state lines or country. Like you need to know your rights and what right. you're not supposed to do. So social media is not good for that. Or the term that we know from our, our friend who's also an attorney, Rayford Palmer, like barstool counsel. Don't just say to people sitting next to you, oh, this is what's going on, what should I do? 
talk to people that know what they're dealing with. And I think Domestic Violence Center is a free resource that so many people don't use or are not aware of. Yeah. And they can they can suggest places and good places to uh, places to research or places to find information um, before you even jump into the legal system. One person you're not going to talk to is your partner. Right. Because so many people, when they figure it out, they go, aha, because they think if I just go to my partner and say, hey, I figured it out, you're a borderline personality disorder, let's say. Right. All we need to do is go to therapy and we can fix you. Well, you that all that does is it, it it's that can really escalate things. Because right. once they know you're onto them, once that mask is off, it, we always call it Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Well, guess what? They're right. Mr. or Mrs. Hyde all the time now because once you've revealed who they are. So you're not going to do that publicly with, with your friends or on Facebook or whatever either, because um, right. now this is starting to get into your space. If you are starting down a path where it might mean the end of the marriage, it might mean divorce, it might mean legal action. There is a strategic advantage to keeping that to yourself for a while. Right. Filing first, making plans first, getting documentation before they can hide it being aware of right. what's where the money is before they move it around, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so. it's funny because in those sorts of circumstances, I did a piece actually this morning we were recording and, you know, that that general question came up and I was like, look, and I, and I think I've, I've found a way to kind of articulate it so it makes a little bit more sense to people. The, the most important thing is the practical, right? Like the nuts and bolts of your of your leaving of your getting out of the toxic relationship, of the split, the planning of like where you're going to live, how are you going to get your clothes, like the day-to-day, the, -day, the, the minute-to-minute. But you can't figure that out without having a clear picture of what the monetary sort of legal situation would be. Can you leave with your kids? Can you not? Can you move in with your parents who are in Florida because you have no other support? Can you do that or not? Are you going to have enough money to pay for school, a private school, or, or special needs, or blah? So that's why I was and I think people always kind of like, well, you know, lawyer second or third. I always say, like, talk to the lawyer first, you know, just have a consultation. Just know what your rights are. Just know what the law is. Just know what you can do and what you can't do. And then shortly thereafter, the practical, the list, the safety plan, the like, you know, what do you think about that? And uh, Well, it's a lot easier to yeah. do all that stuff. Um, if you keep your cards close to your vest and they don't know what's coming, then it is to come home and find that the locks have been changed. And right. all of a sudden now I better put together a plan. Well, you know what? It's, it's, you can still be okay, but it's, it's kind of too late to take advantage right. of the fact that you know, what's, what's, what's what. Yeah. I think it's absolutely essential to speak to a lawyer. I did speak to a lawyer before the exit, but it's almost like it depends on the person's safety too. I mean, to me, safety is first. You need to keep yourself physically safe and everything else. So it's it's like part of the same thing because the domestic violence center is going to say, contact an attorney. Yes. Everyone yeah. we speak to says, you must know your rights. You have to know yes. your rights. You don't want to ruin your your chances in, in court. So yes, lawyer is almost like along with domestic violence center. Yep. Yes. And yes, definitely in an abusive relationship. Absolutely. Always safety first. Always, 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 always. Um, yeah. And there's a yeah. safe way to get out and 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 a, maybe a not so safe way to get out. What would be the right. safe way to get out? Well, there's two with with safety planning. There's usually two plans that you make. One is if you have time where you're slowly gathering information and getting the financials and getting all the documentation together and putting money aside. 
And then there's the emergency plan where it's like, if I have to run out in the middle of the night, do I have a bag packed with essentials? Do I have my car turned around the opposite way in the driveway? Am I not wearing scarves around my neck that I could be strangled with? Is there an extra set of keys under a rock somewhere? If I have, so you should always know, like if I have, if I can take the time to plan, great, but what am I going to do with the dog if we suddenly have to leave right away? Okay. So here's another thing that I always struggle with in my posts or the pieces that I put together is, you know, many times I put out pieces like, hey, you can work on your relationship X and Y and Z and do this and do that. And then they say, well, you can't fix a domestic violence relationship. And the way I've always distinguished them. And again, it's it's lawyer terms. It's it's layman, you know, practice a law sort of terms. My thing is you can't change that. You can't counsel that other person's problems away. You you it, two people in a relationship can work on relationship counseling. You can do marriage counseling that can work, but you can't fix that abuser. That's not your thing to fix. So like and it's tough for people to like understand and it's tough for them to distinguish the two. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, it's 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 really hard because like I said, I went through three different couplers, couples counseling session, you know, people, experts and. And then in my first day of domestic violence advocacy training, they said one of the most dangerous things you could do is go to couples counseling with an abuser because they manipulate the therapist. This could be used against you. They could paint you as the unfit person. I mean, it's and but the thing is, hope is what kills it. You keep thinking we could try, we could try, but then you're the only one doing the work and they're making things worse and worse and planning all kinds of things behind your back. And you're believing that you both care and are addressing the situation, but then you find out there's been betrayal the whole time. Uh, and they enjoy it. Yeah, they, they enjoy, enjoy the it. engagement um, yeah. and, and twisting the knife a little bit in front of another uh, professional. Right. But, like, but ooh, if I can manipulate a therapist, I'm really good. Like, yeah. I don't not only oh, manipulate yeah. my spouse, but I can manipulate a judge, a therapist, all kinds of people. But And Dennis, you know, we're not psychologists, but yep. we deal with this stuff every single day. And, I don't know of a single situation where counseling or therapy has ever been able to change the dynamic. Um, right. There's not a cure. If if you have the root problem, it, that is the kind of thing that Lisa and I deal with. If that's the core problem, the cause of everything, it, it's not going to change. And and if you have the, I always talk about how resilience cuts both ways. It's a wonderful yeah. trait, right, in people. Um, I had resilience in abundance. I never would have left. My ex left me, which is the, one of the kindest things she ever did for right. me because right. I would not have left. And people, we hear this all the time. I think maybe I should stay for the kids. Right. Right. I should stay for the kids. When the kids go to college, I have a good friend who just did the exact same thing. Um, but if you do that, if you have the resilience to take the abuse, what you're really doing is modeling for your kids that that is normal that that's okay. And we talk to people all the time whose family of origin issues are the ones that cause them to get into their own toxic relationship. So right. as tough as divorce is on kids, it's really, really hard. I'm a child of divorce. Um, it is way worse, way more damaging in most cases to stay in a toxic relationship and model that for your children. And I think here's the thing with that. One of the tests in my mind is see how your kids are treating you. Because many times what the kids will do is they'll take on the behaviors of the toxic spouse or person and treat you the same way that toxic person does. 
Yeah, actually, Dennis, you know, I'm doing an interview next week because which is damaging for the kids, right? Oh, yeah. We we have we have um, a number of people whose kids are physically hitting them, attacking them with weapons, screaming at them, berating them. And it's really tricky because um, the supposedly the resources out there don't deal with divorced families. And in our some of our client situations, it's happening. And then when the parent reaches out to the co-parent for help, the, the, or the counter-parent, the other, the perpetrator will say, well, it's your fault. And basically you deserve it. And they egg the kid on because they want, they want the, the, the victim to continue being victimized through the children. Yeah. That's one of the most insidious things I've seen in these sorts of circumstances. And I think people, they, they don't play, they don't pay close enough attention to it while they're in it. They think, mm-hmm. oh, that's just my kids. But watch those kids try to use the same sort of like, contro- I don't want to say controlling, but, you know, you know, mommy, you didn't do this. Or you're stupid or this or that, or you're not smart enough to that. Whoa. Whoa. Where is this coming from? Like, is that the way daddy talks to mommy or vice versa? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we see it also post-separation when it, the, they're Absolutely. in separate health, right? where the kids will be perfect little angels for the abuser, of course, because they sense on some level, they certainly don't have the, the ability to articulate it, but they sense on some level that love is conditional in that home. But then they come to the protective parent, the safe parent, the emotionally healthy parent, and they act out like crazy. And yeah. they're a nightmare and they, they have all kinds of disciplinary problems. I dealt with a little bit of that myself, more than yeah. a little, um, but I've seen way worse. Um, and it's because they feel safe with that parent. They know they they know the love is unconditional with the healthy parent. An- another thing that that I'm thinking about is we've noticed with some of our clients that they are basically walking on eggshells with their kids. Yes, it's almost like they're afraid to discipline their kids. Yep. because then the kid will go with the other parent, or then the kid won't love them anymore, and they're repeating the same behavior they did in the marriage with their children, which is yep. really unhealthy too. And that is not a good thing for kids. Just just so you guys know giving kids their way, giving in, feeling like you're on eggshells and not being the parent, not being put in a position where you can be the parent, you know, and you should be. That's problematic. That's problematic. I mean, I mean, I think that I think what when you're in it, you think that you're, you're doing something good by giving in or like, you know, not not confronting or, or not being the parent you should be or not being, you know, the disciplinarian. That's counterintuitive because that's not helping the kids. That's not number one. That's not what they want, despite what they'll tell you. And number two, that's not what's best for them. Yeah. I was going to say that's what creates anxiety in kids is when there's no boundaries, there's no rules and it's almost left up to them. They're the child. You're the authority. You're the parent. They are looking to you to lead them. So when you're very wishy-washy, they're like, I don't know if it's me. And we see kids like that grow into adult. You know, I used to teach high school English. So I worked with a lot of teenagers, but those are the anxious kids who, when you say no, they say, oh, you don't like me. It's not about that. I don't like you. It's that this behavior is not allowed because they haven't learned it at home. Like what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. People are more comfortable when they understand the rules so they can behave properly. When there are no rules, it's a free for all. But so that for kids, that for kids is safety, it's stability, it's love, it's what a parent's supposed to do. And as much as they tell you, I just want to do what I want to do in the back of their mind, subconsciously, they want that control. They want those confines. They want you to be the parent. 
Right. And that's, yeah. that's even something we know with one of the major custody factors. And I've talked to children's therapists recently who said the yeah. same thing, consistency, stability, routine, especially for kids going through any kind of separation or divorce. You want to keep their schedules and routine the same as much as possible because you're able to leave and you know get away from the other person, but they're the ones who still have to live with the choices. Yeah. So you want to try to preserve their life as much as possible. 100. Okay, so I have, a, I have one more question about a term I'm gonna have you define for me, but I wanna grab something first. Just hold a second. I just received in the mail a few days ago uh, this uh, handy dandy book, which is gonna be awesome. Yeah. And you're gonna tell me about it. Been there, okay. got out the book. I love it. This is awesome. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to read it to, to, you know, admittedly, but I love it. I can't wait to read it. Tell me about the book, please. And then I'm going to ask oh, you a question. You're in it. You're Dennis. in it. Dennis. You're, you're in it. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm in it. Awesome. All right. Uh, sure. I mean, I just when Lisa and I wrote, there, there are tons of books out there about divorce. There are tons of books out there about abusive relationships. Um, our approach, um, besides having the male and female perspective, which is uh, unique in our space, we wanted to write a practical guide that takes you yeah. from the beginning where Lisa mentioned the quiz before that we have on our website. It's also in the book and right. it's long. It's long. It's like 33 questions, mm -hmm. but people who started on the website always seem to finish it. So it's, I think the light bulb going on throughout, but so that's the beginning and taking you all the way through what to expect in court, what, how to do safety planning. We talked about yeah. that on, on this call. Um, what family court is like, how to hire a good attorney, um, right. all the, how the other side is going to behave in court, um, all the different players. That's my favorite chapter title. Who's oh, who, who is with the zoo? That's good. And then uh, the importance of having clarity and parenting plans and specificity. Mm -hmm. right. um, and then dealing with the aftermath. And the, the last chapter is on uh, healthy finding religion. healthy relationships right. but, in the aftermath. But also yeah. practical guide. That's what we're going for. Right. Yeah. But the, the subtitle of how to stay sane under insane circumstances, you know, our specialty is legal abuse. And how do yeah. you deal with something in the legal system? That's that's what we really focus on. And legal abuse, um, I always try to remember the whole list of what it's, it's when one person is trying to continue abusing another person by coercing, harassing, intimidating, controlling them and impoverishing, impoverishing them through the legal system, because yeah. that's the stuff that our clients are dealing with for the divorce and post-judgment. So what it means, why it's happening, what you can do about it. Our whole focus is, and our hashtag, we say it all the time, is empowerment through education. Like once you understand what, how your a high conflict case is different and how to behave differently and how to work with attorneys to say, this cannot be approached like a normal divorce because nope. this person's goal is the opposite. Most people getting a divorce want to move on with their lives, right. Our people's exes want to continue the engagement as long as possible to do that list of things that I just said. They want for, to destroy you. For them, lose-lose is a win. Yeah. Yes. And the legal system is a whole new stage of professionals to try to manipula yep. uh, manipulate and win over. And so these, like Chris said, the, our book really talks about this kind of situation and how to deal with it. And also, hopefully... Um, makes you feel like you do have control over a number of things. You're not just, just because you're not rich doesn't mean you're going to lose. Right. I mean, I've been pro se for 
nine, well, no, six years out of nine, but I've done really well. My case is in the Connecticut Law Journal for a pro se, that's really rare. So, um, and I'm up against someone who is really rich. The case is in two states. I've prevailed in both states, but having that um, tenacity, as Chris says, resilience, like to keep going and to understand what matters, what doesn't, that stuff. I think the book lets, from the feedback we've gotten, people feel more hopeful as well as uh, gotten a lot of clarity. That's great. That's awesome. I'm so excited. I can't wait to read it. You know, it's funny. Um, one of the things I use with my lawyers internally in the office, as I said, as I say, be the calm in this in this chaotic circumstance for your clients, be the calm. And, I, and I'll take that a few steps further. Information, support, OK, gives you knowing what to expect, what to what to do, how what you know, what resources are out there, how you can help yourself. Right. The information that helps you bring calm. Once you know what you're dealing with, at least, hey, it may be difficult, but you know what it is. You've got a roadmap. You know how to deal with it. That brings the calm. So reach out and get as much information as you can. And your book certainly yeah. going to help. So- we, we actually talk about that all the time. We talk about, you know, our number one goal for our clients in the court system is to be calm. But to say calm down is inflammatory. The way to make people calm is to have them focused and organized. So by understanding what to expect and how to prepare for it, they can be focused and organized and that yep. will bring them, like you said, calm. Yep, absolutely. Okay, I'm gonna ask you one last question before we finish up. Can you define gaslighting for me? Because I, he, I see it thrown around all over the place. I mean, I hear it in all, like literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments on my posts and from clients and from people in court. What does that actually mean? So, yes, uh, so boy, I, I, yeah. I don't have a dictionary definition. Yeah, I uh, it's, it's almost like, what was that Supreme Court thing about porn? I don't know how to define it, but I know it when I see it. Right, right. So, right. So um, gaslighting is when somebody tries to, has, has a false narrative and presents it so convincingly that you begin to doubt yourself and your own senses. Right. So I'll give you a perfect example. And this is true from my life. Back when, um, when I was still married and we were in the same house, there would be a water, there was this little strip of formica in front of the kitchen sink. This is so ridiculous. And water would get there. And my ex would tell me that um, not only is the water because of some kind of leak, no, it's not from the babysitter splashing or the little kid splashing, um, but it's something fundamentally flawed with the house. But not only is it a fundamental flaw of the house, but the house is so filled with flaws that I have provided a miserable life for her and then I'm inadequate as a husband because there's a little bit of water pooled. Um, it's wet in front of the sink on the counter, essentially. Um, it's funny, after she was out of the house and the babysitter was out of the house and I was living alone or when I had the kids, mm-hmm. there's no more water in front of the sink because it was just people splashing it. But I was so, I was asking a good friend of mine from college, I said, should I bring in a plumber? Like, here's what's going on. What do you think it is? And he looked at me like I had two heads. He's like, you're just splashing water there. Yeah. It's not a leak. Yeah. I think, I think gaslighting is making you question your own reality when you know, you know, something is true and someone's telling you it's not, and you're like, but I, but I know it's true, but you get, people often start to self gaslight where they doubt everything. They feel like they can't trust your own judgment. Right. Yeah. But that person makes you question your own judgment and reality when you know it's not the case. And a lot of times I think back with cheating stuff and with anyone they discover cheating they have the 
evidence. It's right there. And the other person spins a narrative where it can't be true. And so you feel this sort of cognitive dissonance where like, I, I know it's this way and I have the proof, but they're telling me something different, but the actions don't match the words and I can't make sense of it. Where you're in this like fog of like, I don't know what to believe anymore. That's to me, that's gaslighting. Okay. So another tool of manipulation that these toxic people use, huh? Oh, yeah. 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 Very, very common. Yeah. Okay. Listen, thank you guys so much for being on the show again. You come back again and we'll talk again. Oh, yeah. We're we're getting you on on with us. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'll be excited to come on for sure. So listen, for our listeners, please tell us where they can find you, how they can work with you, where they can find your website, how they can buy the book, which I think is going to be a huge tool for people. Um, How can people reach out and find you? So we're, we're kind of everywhere. Yeah. So, so the book, you held it up. Oh, it's my turn yes. to hold it up. So been there, got out. Um, and, and it's on Amazon. Um, it's very easy. If you just Google been there, got out, I don't know what you'll see first, whether it's the Instagram feed or our homepage or the book on Amazon, but we're, we're really everywhere. If somebody wants to contact us directly, uh, Chris at been there, got out.com Lisa at been there, got out.com. Okay. Um, we're, we're, very easy. To yeah, find. we always say just just been there, got out dot com and everywhere it's been there, got out. We have a podcast. We have YouTube channel. Um, I always answer anyone who messages us yes. like either through any of the channels. Instagram. Yeah, you can make a comment on a post and ask a question. I'll, I'll answer it. But we're very, very easy. And then if people want to schedule a free call to see if we can help, they just go right to the website homepage red button and if they want to find out about legal abuse support group right under the red button is the blue button so very very easy or they can contact you to contact us Dennis right right? absolutely absolutely (laughs) we're out there for sure so thank you again so much for coming on to the show uh thank you listeners for tuning in today we had a real treat today I hope you guys learned something and gathered some valuable information and you know if you need help with a toxic uh relationship been there got out you can buy the book you can work with them Check out the Instagram. Check out the website. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you again next time. Take care. Bye-bye.